Thanks for checking out this sermon at New Beginnings. As a church, we exist to become an authentic, biblical community. That transforms our city and impacts the world. With the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to make you aware of a few things before we begin. First, we would love to connect with you on our website. NBBCTX.org. There you can find more information about who we are. Additional resources and links to our social media network. As well as an opportunity to give. To what God is doing in and through our church. We hope you enjoy this message. I want to invite you this morning to grab your Bible, if you have it with you, and open it up with me to John chapter number 4. As we're continuing in our series called, Who's Your, say it with me, One. Who's your one? Who's that one person in your life that you are going to intentionally pray for, go after, and seek opportunities to talk to about Jesus? Who is that one person in your sphere of influence? Who is the one that you are going to leverage time and energy and effort and intentional conversation with to talk to about Jesus in John chapter 4 this morning we find such a conversation take place it's a beautiful story actually one of my favorite stories because it is just a normal average everyday yet completely supernatural encounter that happens John chapter 4 Verse 1, let's read it together. The Bible says, Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, Jesus left Judea and departed again for Galilee. Now look at this next Phrase. Look at this next sentence. Let this truth, as we begin, sink in deep with you this morning. Read this with me, everybody. And he what? Had. Uh oh, I'm sorry. Y'all must have not understood me. I said, let's read it together, everybody. Check it out with me. He said, and he what? He had. She's ready. And he what, church? He had to what? Pass through where? Samaria. Does that sound like an accident to you? Does that sound like Jesus was on purpose? Yes or no? Did it sound like he was on mission? Yes or no? Did it sound like he was ready to go? Yes or no? And the crazy thing about this is, is that most of the Jews would have went around Samaria, but Jesus said he, say it again, he had to pass through Samaria. Now check this out. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar. It was near the field of Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jo Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour, and a woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, say it with me, give me a drink. Father, I pray this morning that as we open up your word, as we gather in this place, 
that we wouldn't just go through motions today. God, I pray in a real supernatural way, as normal as this morning may have been already, it would be anything but normal in these next few minutes. I pray that you would open up our ears right now to hear from your word. God, you would open up our minds to understand and comprehend. And God, you would open up our hearts to receive your truth today. And God, that we would leave this place, every single one of us, different than when we came. Lord, would you today send us out of this place on fire and on mission for Jesus. It's in your mighty name we pray and all the church said, amen. This morning, I want to talk to you from this passage about five things that must take place in your life and in my life if we're going to be serious about reaching our one. If we're going to take for real this series, this initiative, this push, this focus on each one of us going after one person in our life who doesn't know Jesus. If we're going to be serious about identifying if we're going to be serious about interceding and praying for, if we're going to be serious about investing in, and if we're going to be serious about inviting that person to know Jesus, what is it going to take? I believe Jesus in this story sets forth a real beautiful reality for you and I to follow. Number one, write this down. If you want to live a life that is serious about reaching one for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Number one, you need to write it down, redirect all of your life as mission. Let me explain this to you by looking at the verse four one more time. Jesus had to go from uh, Judea to Galilee, but then he said this, in order to get from Judea to, to, to Galilee, here's what I do. In verse number four, he said, and he said again, everybody, and he what? Had to pass through Samaria. Jesus had to go through Samaria because Jesus, his entire life was reoriented, redirected, and focused on living on mission. In Luke 19.10, Jesus told us why he came. In Luke 19.10, Jesus made it known to everyone why it was that he was here, that he was living, that he was breathing, that he was walking from town to village, teaching, preaching, doing all kinds of miracles. Why was it? He said in Luke 19.10, listen, he said, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus said, I don't just go on mission trips I'm living on mission. Can I tell you this? Going on mission trips is awesome. As a matter of fact, I understand y'all just got back, a few of y'all from Africa, and you saw an incredible work of God. And, and my guess is you probably take several trips throughout the year. Yes, amen, uh-huh, hallelujah, holy high five, yes, that's right. As a matter of fact, I believe that more of you need to go on a mission trip. You need to take time. You need to set apart the money. You need to get serious and intentional, and you need to go. But I want to help you understand something as well. It's not that you and I are to take mission trips 
I believe if we're going to get serious about reaching someone with the gospel of Christ, we've got to begin to redirect, reorient all our life as a mission. In other words, we've got to begin to see, I go to school on mission. I go to work on mission. I go to the mall on mission. I I, I invite my neighbor over for dinner on mission. I live where I live because I'm on mission. I have these co-workers I have because I'm on mission. We've got to begin to see every realm, every domain of our life as a mission field. Why? Because that's how Jesus saw his life. You and I live our life on mission because that's how our Lord, our God, our Savior lived his life. I like to say it like this. All of our life is lived on mission because Jesus' life was lived on mission. And if Jesus is my king, if Jesus is my Lord, if I'm a follower of him, don't you think I should live like him? Don't you think I should walk like him? And when you begin to see your family, your neighbors, your friends, your work, your job, your school, your grocery store, your coffee shop. When you begin to see every domain of your life as a mission field, everything changes. The school that you hate now becomes a school that you love because it's your mission field. The boss, the job. The occupation you have that you absolutely despise, it wears you out. You can't wait to get out. It all changes when you begin to see that as your mission field. Your parents that annoy the fool out of you. Nobody in here's parents annoy them, I know. But when your parents that don't know Jesus and they annoy you and they don't get you and they don't understand you, when you love Jesus and you begin to see them as people that are in need of Jesus, everything changes. Your kids that drive you absolutely wackadoodle-doo, when you begin to understand, I have been put in their life as their parent, not primarily to just make sure they get out of my house alive, but to make sure that they come to know and walk and love and live Jesus Men, everything changes. We have to, if we're going to be serious about reaching one, we have to begin to redirect all of our life as mission. What did Jesus say? He said, I have to go through Samaria. And guess what? On Monday, you have to go back to work. And you have to go back to your house. And you have to go back to your kids. And you have to go back to school. I know it's summer. It's way too early to be talking about going back to school. But, but you have to go back to school. And you have to be on that team. And you have to go to that locker room. And you have to go to that mission trip. And you have to go to that, that gas station. And you have to go to that, that coffee shop. When you begin to see it as, man, I have to go there because there's someone there who's in need of Jesus. Everything begins to change. Where do you have to go this week? Where do you get to go this week? And who are you going to meet there with the good news of Jesus? See, if we're going to be serious about this whole idea, who's your one? If we're going to be serious about leveraging our whole life to go after people everywhere with the good news of Jesus, we have to, number one, redirect all of our life as mission. Number two, write this down. If you want to live your life to reach the one, 
you have to, number two, realize people are everywhere in need of Jesus. See, why most people in Jesus' day would, would go around Samaria because they were the half-breeds, they were the nobodies, they were the untouchables. Jesus said, I've got to go there because there's someone there who's in need of Jesus. We have to realize, we have to open up our eyes and understand people everywhere are in need of Jesus. Look, look at what he says in, in verse number 7. The Bible says, a who? A woman. How many is that? One. Jesus had to go to Samaria because there was a woman there in need of Jesus. He went and he sat down at the well. And as he was sitting at the well because he was thirsty and he was needing a drink, a woman, one person walks up, strolls up, and he says, there's my one. Can I ask you something? Who's your one? How many of you would be honest this morning and say, Ryan, uh, I've got, y'all see these cards in front of you? Are they around y'all, all around? Everybody see those? Just shake your head. Yes, yes, y'all see those? All right. How many of you have one already. How many of you have already, I think we've been in this series four weeks, maybe this is the fifth week, I'm not sure, but, but, but you've been hearing Pastor Todd and others talk about and press in and, and, and talk to you from different stories in the scripture about reaching one, and, and you've got these cards in front of you. How many of you would say, Ryan, I've already identified my one? Hold your hand up high. Hold your hand up high. Now, here's what I want to challenge the rest of you with. Grab a card right now. Not, not, not in a minute. Grab a card right now. Everybody, grab a card. If it's around you, it's in the seat back in front, go ahead and grab it right now. Grab it. Reach out. By faith, just grab that card. It looks just like this, all right? If there's not one around you, find one before you leave. Everybody got one? Hold it in the air. Just wave it at me. Everybody got Y'all think I'm kidding. Go ahead and get it and, and wave it at me, all right? All right, good. Yeah, I like audience participation. It's amazing, all right? So, yeah, so you've got this card, and it's blank, but there's someone's name who needs to be there. There's someone who God has put in your life or is about to put in your life whose name needs to be there. And you've got to open up your eyes and realize that lost people are everywhere. In case you haven't noticed, we don't live in Christian America any longer. In case you haven't realized this, our culture is radically going against any and all Christian ideals that are out there. By and large, you're like, no, bro, we live in East Texas, man. Everybody here is Christian. Look at your neighbor and say, no, they're not. Go ahead and tell them right now. Look at your neighbor. Tell them, no, they're not. Like, there are lost people everywhere. I guarantee you there's lost people. How many of you have lost people at your work? Hold your hands up high. People that don't know Jesus at your work. Hey, by the way, Baptist, this is not high. This is high, right? How many of you, how, how many have lost people at your work? Hold your hand. Don't point at them. Just hold your hand up high, right? How many have, how many have lost people at your school? You go to school and you got lost people at your school. Hold your hand up high. You go to school. How, how many of you have lost people probably in your neighborhood? Hold, how many of you have lost friends? Friends that don't know Jesus. How many of you have, have, have a family that don't know Jesus? There, there's not a single one of you who shouldn't have someone's name written down here. 
Someone that you are broken for. Someone that you are burdened for. Someone that you are going after. Jesus said, I must go to Samaria. He sits down at the well. And a woman shows up. And Jesus, because he has redirected, reoriented all his life, his mission. I've come to seek and save the lost. Jesus, realizing that lost people are everywhere, this woman rolls up at the well. And he said, this is my one. No wonder Jesus would say at the end of this passage, don't say there are four more months and then the harvest. Jesus said, look, open up your eyes. Get your head out of your iPhone and look up because I tell you, The fields are white for harvest. There are lost people everywhere. And if you know Jesus, and Jesus lives inside of you, and the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you, you have been called, you have been saved, you have been empowered to be a witness to those people who don't know Jesus. Can I share with you some stats about Generation Z. For those of you that don't have any idea what Generation Z is, it's those that are aged now about 21 and younger. In recent surveys of teenagers ages 13 to 18, I want to share with you some stats. 13% of teenagers ages 13 to 18 in the U.S. claim to be atheists. 13% claim to be atheists that is twice as many as the generation ahead of them twice as many in generation z teens ages 13 to 18 listen at this 35 percent that's one out of every three 35 percent claim to be atheist agnostic or have no religious affiliation at all. That's one out of every three of teenagers ages 13 to 18 in our country claim to have no religious affiliation at all, be agnostic or atheist. There are 10% fewer teens claiming to be Christian than there were the generation ahead of them. In case you don't understand what that means, that means we're not gaining ground, we're losing ground. Now, when I hear stats like that and I read stats like that, listen, those are the stats that fire me up. Those are the stats that get, this is why I travel with Rage Ministries because I want to go after those teens. I want to go after that generation who don't know Jesus, who don't claim Jesus. Maybe they're chilling out in church like the young lady who was baptized today, a good girl, a moral girl, doing all the right things. Realize, then she realizes because of the Holy Spirit of God, oh, I need Jesus. Guys, we want to leverage all that we are, all that we can. As a matter of fact, do you realize that two-thirds of everyone who ever comes to Jesus does so by their 18th birthday? Let me say that again. Two-thirds, two out of every three who ever come to Jesus do so on or before their 18th birthday. Let's just do a survey real quick. If you're in here and you're saved, how many of you were saved on or before your 18th birthday? Hold your hand up high. Hold my pie. Look around the room. Look around the room. 
That's well over two-thirds. That means, guys, we've got to get serious about going after this next generation. And I'll just drop this totally free of charge, not getting paid to do this or say this. I'm just saying the place you should be investing the most money, time, energy, effort, prayers, and resources is in your next generation ministry. And every teenager should have just said, that's right. But y'all aren't awake yet, and I understand. Some of you are like, why? They don't give. They don't support this. They don't, what, 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 why? Because two-thirds of every one of them that ever come to Christ, every, every, two-thirds do so by their 18th birthday. Both those people that were baptized today, best I could tell, were under 18. Guys, ladies, this is where we need to be leveraging all that we have. We ought to be pouring into this next generation. Yes, there are lost people everywhere. You know them and I know them. And we've got to go after them if we're going to be serious about reaching our one. We've got to redirect all of our life. It can't just be a, a, a little, little series. It can't be a, a summer initiative. It's got to be all of our life is going to be leveraged to go after people and live on mission. We've got to realize lost people are everywhere. Thirdly, write this down. If we're going to get serious about reaching the one for Jesus... Number three, we've got to reach out and start a conversation. I know that freaks some people out. They're like, oh, I got to talk to people? Look at your neighbor and say, yes, you have to talk. Go ahead and tell them right now. Like some of y'all won't even do that. I'm super worried right now. If you won't talk to the person sitting beside you in church, I'm really worried about whether you're ever going to talk to someone outside of church that doesn't know Jesus. So I want to just let you know, though, if we're going to be serious about reaching the people for Jesus, we've got to reach out. We've got to start a conversation. Look, look what happened. Look again in verse 7. The Bible says that a woman from Samaria came to draw water. And what does the Bible say? And Jesus stared at her. Is that what it says? Cool. Because that would be weird. What does it say, church? Jesus, say it with me, said to her. He spoke to her. He initiated a conversation with her. A, a conversation that wasn't culturally acceptable. This Jewish man should not have been talking to this Samaritan woman. She kind of calls him out on it. She's like, what are you, a Jewish man, doing talking to me, a Samaritan woman? And Jesus, well, we'll look at that in just a minute. But he started this conversation with her. He opened up his mouth, and he asked her for a drink of water. Let me ask you this. How do you ever expect to talk to anyone about Jesus if you don't talk to anyone, we have to open up our mouth and we have to have conversations. The way to begin to talk to someone about the gospel, to invite them to know Jesus as their Lord and as their Savior, is just to have a conversation with them at all. How was your day? What do you think about whatever's happening in this day and time? How about them cowboys or, oh no, not again. What were you up to this weekend? Hey, how are things in your world? 
See, we've got to learn to just talk to people. Can I just say that we have to do that both online and we have to do that in person? Like when you are texting with someone, how many of you love to text? How many of you are just like texting people? Hold your hands up high. You love to text. All right. They're just people who just love to text, man. Like I've seen some people's text message and I'm like, oh, man. You ever get one of those text messages? You're like, oh, wow. They must be at the computer sending that one because it's like, right? But you've got to talk to people. You've got to text. You've got to open up your mouth. You've got to open up your thumbs. You've got to open up your phone. We've got to talk to people we know and people we don't know. We have to be comfortable with just talking to people. Jesus looked at the lady. He said, give me a drink. When is the last time you started a conversation with anybody in hopes of taking that conversation Flipping it, turning it spiritual, and sharing Jesus with them. Guys, can I just say this? People don't accidentally get saved. People don't just trip up and come to Jesus. It is an intentional conversation that begins and that starts. And I want to challenge you today to be like Jesus. Go places, look for places, look for people around you, and have conversations. My family's always tripping out because I will say hi to anybody. I'm like, hey, and my daughters are like, do you know them? I'm like, no, I don't know them. And you find out real quick who wants to talk to you, who doesn't want to talk to you. Like, this side loves to talk. This side's like, don't look at us. That's how life is, man. I understand that. And I understand that as you walk and as you, as you go to work and as you go to school and as you go to your job and as you're walking your neighborhood and as you're in the grocery store, sometimes just start a conversation with someone. Hey, how's your day? If they're like, that, don't talk to them, all right? Like, just keep moving. Don't go up to him and say, hey, I'm talking to you, all right? That pastor told me to talk to you. You're talking to me, all right? Don't do that, right? But sometimes you're like, like I'm literally sometimes ask people, how's your day? And I've had people start crying. And I'm like, oh, man, wrong one. No, um, <laughs> right? <laughs> but sometimes conversations happen. But I believe part of the problem is this. Is that we, have, we as Christians, we as followers of Jesus, we who have the answer, we who have the hope of the world, instead of opening up our mouth and talking, we just keep quiet and keep to ourselves. And I just want to say you'll never talk to anybody about Jesus if you don't talk to them about something. So today, talk to people about something. Open up your mouth. Practice with your friends. Having conversations. Look, if some of you are like, I don't know how to start a conversation, just Google. Conversation starters. YouTube it. You can watch a video of it. We live in a crazy day, right? You can say, how do you start a conversation? And you can just learn and you can practice and you can go. Why is this so important? Because of number four. If we're going to be serious about reaching our one, you've got to re reorient all your life around, to, around mission. You have to begin to realize lost people are everywhere. You have to reach out and start a conversation. But number four, you have to recognize opportunities to turn the conversation. You have to, you have to begin to take the, the conversation from the physical, the normal everyday to the spiritual. You're like, oh, that's where I'm out. Man, no, no. Mm -mm. We talk about the Cowboys. We, 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 can, we can talk about the, the Rangers who can't play. We can talk about, like, uh, we can talk about cars. We can talk about fishing. We can talk about hunting. We can talk about high school football. We can talk about the job. We can talk about how dumb our boss is. We can talk about anything you want. 
But turn, nah, man, that's just weird. Look at somebody and say, it ain't weird, it's war. Tell them, it ain't weird, it's war. Do, do you know why it's weird? Because it's war. It's spiritual warfare. Do you know where that fear comes from? The enemy. The enemy. This is why you and I are weirded out and freaked out about having conversations about Jesus with people. Because it's absolutely spiritual warfare. It's war. And this is why we'd rather not be weird or go to war. We'd rather, we'd rather just, you know, have a conversation about the weather. But guys and ladies, we have to look for these opportunities like this. Here's some, here's some conversation turners, okay? Here, here's one. Do you go to church? Anywhere? Like that's a conversation turner. I just turned it from the physical to the spiritual. Hey, what's your faith background? Hey, man, the world's kind of crazy. Do you really believe there's a God? Like that's a, that we just flipped the conversation right there. Oh, what about this? What about this one? Man, in a world where, where, where everything's so crazy, like, what do you put your hope in? Like, that's a, that's a conversation turner right there. Oh, what about this? Especially this is good, like, when there's, like, a tragedy in the area, someone dies, whatever. Hey, wh what do you think happens after this life is over? See, I'm not going and saying, hey, let me tell you what happens when you die. Like, that's weird, okay? But if I go, hey, wh what do you think happens when this life's over? And I just... Let them share. A lot of people are going to go, I have no idea. I've wondered the same thing. Guess what? Now I get to step into this spiritual conversation. Jesus looks at the lady and he says, listen, give me a drink. And, 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 the, and the woman says, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? And verse 10 says it is, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God, and who it is that says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. What did Jesus just do right there? He went from physical water to what? Spiritual water. I mean, bam, master. Like, boom. And what does she do in return? She's like, what? The woman says, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well's deep. Where do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it, as did his sons and livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water, physical, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him, spiritual, will never thirst again. The water that I give will become in him a spring of water welling up eternal life. So the woman says, sir, give me that water. She's like, I want some of that. Whatever, that. whatever you're talking about, that's what I want. So what happened? Give me a drink of physical water, and all of a sudden they're talking about spiritual water. She's like, I need that. I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm thirsty inside. I'm lonely inside. I'm hurting inside. I need that. And, and so Jesus says, go get your husband. And she goes, um, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, you're right. You're right in saying you don't have a husband. You have five, you've, had, you've had five husbands. And the one you're shacking up with right now, he ain't your husband. You imagine, like this is before Twitter. This is before Facebook. Like she ain't going, you've been on my Facebook? She's like, what just happened, right? 
Jesus is like, girl, you are thirsty, you are hungry, you are searching for fulfillment and meaning and life, and you're trying it after man, after man, after man, after man, and you're coming up empty, and you know it. And she said, in light of this, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say we must go to Jerusalem to worship. Jesus is like, girl, it ain't about where you're going to worship. And she said, well, I know the Messiah is coming, and Jesus finally turns and says, yep, that's me. Do you see this? In just a matter of 10 or 12 verses, he has gone from give me physical water to I'm the Messiah. See, if we are going to be serious about reaching our one, we can't just start conversations. We've got to look for opportunities to turn the conversation. It would go something like this. We are out Monday at the job. We're hanging out, chatting about the weekend. I'm like, hey, Joe, man, how was your weekend? Dude, it was awesome. We went to the lake. Man, we went wakeboarding. Man, my kid was killing it. It was awesome. I should have put on more sunscreen, as you can tell. I didn't put on that SPF 190,000. I am burnt up right now, and it hurts, man. And you're like, oh, man, that's crazy. And he turns to me, and he goes, hey, Ryan, what would you do this weekend? Now, I have an opportunity. I can go, ah, you know, I mowed the grass. You know, cleaned up around the house. It was pretty uneventful. And go on with our day. Like most every conversation we have every week. Or I could go, you know what, man? Dude, we spent Saturday mowing the yard, cleaning up around the house and stuff like that. But man, Sunday, dude, we went to church and it was crazy. I mean, it was incredible. Man, we had this incredible worship service. We went to a small group. Man, we got to talking about these issues. Man, I just felt like God was there. Now, now, Joe right now is going, what just happened? But what did I do? I turned the conversation from the physical to the spiritual. And then I'm going to ask him a question, something like this. Joe, by the way, do you go to church anywhere? What am I doing? I'm just chipping away. Why? Because Joe's on my list. Joe's my one. And I'm trying to figure out what's Joe's faith background. And rather than just coming out and going, hey, Joe, like, I'm saved. Are you lost, man? Are you going to hell? Like, everybody's like, what? I'm just like, hey, man, like, I cut my grass. I went to church. Do you go to church anywhere? And Joe goes, man, you know what? I've been thinking about that. My kids are getting older, and I feel like we just need to get involved somewhere. Now what do I do? Well, good luck. No, what do I do? Yes, you invite him, right? You're like, hey, Joe, man, you need to come. And then you just have the conversation. But if we don't ever start the conversation, we're never going to have the conversation. If we don't turn the conversation, we're never going to get to Jesus. And our point is not just to have good conversations. Our point is to get people to Jesus. Why? Because we've redirected all of our life around mission. And we realize the job is not about a paycheck. The job is actually about Jesus. That's what we do. So... One last thing, one last thing that happens in this story. I'm going to skip down uh, some. You, you can read the rest later, but, but Jesus gets to the point where he tells her, I'm the Messiah. And see, if you want to reach your one, you've got you've to radically reorient your life. as all, Everything's his mission. You, you've got to realize there are lost people everywhere. So the one you have written down is one, but it's not the only one. Number three, you've got to reach out in conversation. And then you've got to recognize opportunities to turn. But can I tell you this? If we're going to be serious about making an everlasting kingdom impact, write this down. We need to begin to remember the power of one. Just from, like, 
There's power in one. And, and, and J.D. Greer, the guy in the video, was exactly right. We get pumped up about big numbers, fat numbers, large numbers, right? Like, we're like, man, can you believe this? 600 saved in Africa. Last week at camp, we had 81 teenagers saved at camp. Man, it's incredible. We get jacked up about that. But do you realize the power of one? As Brad and the team comes, and, and they begin to, to, to lead us here in just a moment in, in response through, through worship, I want, I want to close by, by getting you to think about the power of one, because you think one's no big deal, but one is huge. Look at verse 28. After Jesus said, I'm the Messiah, the disciples roll back up, and she sneaks away. Look at verse 28. So the woman, she left her water jar, And she went away into the town and said to the people, what'd she say to them? What'd she say, church? It's right there. Come, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And what happened? This one woman who had one encounter with one conversation, this woman goes back to her town and she just spreads the news. And so they went out of town And they were coming to him. And just nine verses later, I want you to see what happens. In John 4.39, the Bible says this. Many Samaritans from that town, what? They believed. The one became many. The one became, became the spark that ignited a fire that flipped a whole city upside down. Many from that town believed in him. Why? Why did they believe, by the way? They believed because of, say it with me, the woman's testimony. Let me just demonstrate this to you. If I'm a believer and I'm here and I'm like, here's my goal. This year I'm going after how many? It's not a trick question. This man, I'm going after how many, church? Okay, I'm going to travel here. I'm going after how many? One. I'm going after one. So if this year my one comes to faith in Christ, trust Christ, now instead of just one, me, there's how many? It's not a trick question. There's two. So now us two, me and Joe, man, we get serious about knowing Jesus, making Jesus known. And so we, we each get one. I'm like, Joe, I got another one. Joe's like, I got one. And that whole year, year two, we, get, we just get one each. At the end of that year, there's no longer two. There's how many? Four. So it's now say us four. We get legit and we get serious about finding one. Just one each. At the end of that year. At the end of year three, instead of four, now there's how many? Eight. Now if you're not good at math, just listen. The rest of you jump in. Now there's eight. End of year three. You're like, man, we're not getting very far. But at the end of year four... The eight get serious about their one, and each of them go after one. That eight now becomes what? Sixteen. I told you, if you're not good at math, just listen. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, right? I'm just kidding, right? Sixteen, right? Sixteen. But I like your math better. But we're getting there, right? So now 16 at the end of that next year, right? Check this out. At the end of year five, those 16 only get one each. 16 and 16 is 32. 32. You, you, you jumped ahead a year on me, all right? There's 32. 
And now at the end of year six, the 32 becomes 64. The end of year seven, the 64 become 128. At the end of year eight, the year 120, uh, the number 128 becomes 256. And all we're doing each year is reaching how many? One. One. You know, the sad reality is, is that over 80% of Christians in churches today will never reach one. Never reach one. And if you'll just reach one a year for 10 years, that one, by the end of year 10, becomes 1,024. And all I did was reach one. One a year. I'm hoping I got more than 10 years left. I may not. I don't know. Maybe I got 20, maybe I got 30, maybe I got 40. But if we can just commit to one and one and reach one. Listen, I'm not asking you to save Spring Hill. I'm not asking you to bring the lost in Longview, all of them to Jesus. I'm just asking you to reach who? Reach one. But we've got to redirect, reorient all our life around mission. We've got to realize there are lost people everywhere. We've got to reach out, open up our mouths, start conversations, look for opportunities to turn from the physical to the spiritual, and then you never know what God's going to do with that one. Just never know. Jesus had to go to Samaria. Where do you have to go today? In a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to sing. And as we're singing, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. It's kind of crazy. All right, but, but I'm in camp mode. I've got eight camps this summer I'm preaching, um, and, 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 and so I'm a little bit in camp mode, so I like things that don't make sense. This doesn't make sense. You never do this at church. We're going to do it. Um, in just a moment, we're going to all stand. When we stand, here's the first thing. If you're in this room and you're one who doesn't know Jesus, we're going to have some of our staff and leaders up here, and if you don't know Jesus, I want to challenge you to just step out and come talk to them. And all you have to say to them is this. You're like, I don't know what to say to them. All you have to say is this. I need Jesus. Everybody say it with me. I need Jesus. That's it. That's all you got to say. And they would love to take your hand, talk to you about Jesus, and tell you how today you, like Jesus said, can never thirst again. Everybody got it? Say got it. So if that's you today. You'll never know what your one step out will do for someone else around you that might need Jesus. So I'm going to challenge you in just a moment to just step out and come down. Secondly, if you're in here, and man, you're like, I, I don't know, man. Maybe this is where we need to join, man. Maybe this, is, maybe this is where I need to get my family plugged in. This is my church, man. I just feel like this is where God's calling us. I'm going to challenge you to step out. Come talk to one of our leaders down here. Now, here's what I'm going to challenge everyone in the room to do, though. I'm going to ask you to ask someone around you to pray for your one and you to pray for their one okay you're like that's weird welcome to the party all right it's a fun thing i get to do this and leave and y'all can fight about it later it'll be fine but jesus said something about the house so he said my house shall be called the house of prayer and i believe that when we get serious about praying for our one we'll get serious about reaching our one so you're like but i don't have a one awesome here's what you tell the what's your name right here what's your name yeah Sybil, if I'm and Sybil goes, hey, Ryan, who's your one? I'm like, I don't have one yet. You know what Sybil's going to say? Well, I'm going to pray you get one. I'm going to pray for you right now. I'm going to pray that you get one. I'm going to pray, God, give Ryan one right now. God, today, give Ryan a name. God, give Ryan someone who needs Jesus. God, he wants to do it. So I pray for him, right? That makes sense? Everybody with me? Say I'm with you. Everybody nervous? Say I'm nervous. Good. All right. Cool. Here's the deal. 
And, and if you have somebody, if Sybil says, hey, my, my, my friend is Grace. I'm like, awesome. Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to pray for Grace. God, I pray for Sybil. I pray that she reaches out to Grace. And look, I'm just going to use this card. She's already identified her. Lord, I'm just praying for her. I'm going to ask that Sybil and Grace have some time to spend together. And that, that you give Sybil a conversation with Grace to talk to Sybil about Jesus. Just use this as your God right here. Lord, use Sybil to reach Grace in Jesus' name. It's just that simple. Can you do that over here? Can y'all do that? Say we can. Okay, both of y'all can do it. The rest of y'all say we can do it. We can do this. Over here, y'all good? All right? All right, your kids are there. Pray for them. Pray with them. Would everyone just stand up right now? As we stand, the band's going to begin to sing. I ain't worried about you singing right now. They're going to sing over us. And I want you just to pray right now. Ask the person beside you, who's your one? If they know them, pray for them. If they don't know them, pray that they'd find one. If you need to talk to one of our leaders, some of them are going to be standing right down here. If you're right here and you're like, I'm one. I need Jesus. Come talk to one of our leaders right here. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Right now, talk to the people around you. I'm watching. I know the lights are dark. But I still see you. Ask someone right now, who can I pray for? Who can I pray with? Who's your one? And right now, all over this building, as the band leads, as they sing over us, let's pray for our one in Jesus' name.